Chapter 77 The Winds Sent Forth Al-Mursalat In the name of God, the most compassionate, the most merciful. By the winds sent forth, Al-Mursalat, in quick succession. This chapter's main theme is the Day of Resurrection. Moreover, it discusses the types and conditions of wind as signs to draw our attention to the sudden transformation that will occur on the Day of Resurrection. According to all exegetes, the word Mursalat, in the first verse, which begins with an oath, refers to the winds sent forth. A horse's mane is called Urf, for its orderly disposition. The discussion is about orderly winds that blow in succession and bring about nature's patterns, which blow violently, but suddenly and quickly turn into a violent, devastating storm. Asifa means to blow violently, spreading out far, that spreads out the clouds to lands thousands of miles away from oceans separating forcefully. In chapter 26, verse 63, Quran uses farq, describing what happened when Moses used his staff to separate the Nile's water. So, it divided, and each separated part became like a huge mountain. And bringing a reminder the resulting conclusion of the above five oaths are clear. That which you have been promised is the truth and will surely happen. To serve as an excuse or a warning. The abrupt nature of phenomena tends to inspire people. Adur serves to wake people up from the sleep of ignorance so that they may repent and change course. In Dar, raises the alarm of a looming danger that, in this case, the same gentle breeze that strikes your face or pushes a boat forward may unexpectedly turn into a violent force. Such is the resurrection, which will suddenly overturn the governing order and destroy the normally orderly and systematic functioning of the sun, moon, earth, clouds, and skies. Indeed, what you are promised will surely occur. Both inna and la emphasize that such promises will undoubtedly be fulfilled. So when the stars are extinguished, tumisa refers to dying stars, a process that is indicated by their darkening. Stars shine due to the process of nuclear fusion at their core, where their fuel source, helium, is converted into hydrogen at temperatures of around 10 to 12 million degrees centigrade. However, this process gradually depletes the star's helium reservoir eventually, causing them to die. And the sky is torn apart. On that day, the orderly arranged skies will be torn apart. Earth's filter-like protective layers will be ruptured, 
and the force of gravity among stars will be disturbed. As a result, the whole system will fall apart. And the mountains are blown away. On that day, extreme convulsions will cause Earth's exterior crust to separate. Also, in the absence of gravity, mountains, which symbolize strength, stability, and majesty, will disintegrate like fluffed wool. All of these references connote a fundamental change in Earth's physical structure and current order. And the messengers are given their appointed time. Why are messengers given an appointed time? Does this denote that they will be asked to testify on behalf of their respective community? For what day has it been postponed? The passive tense ujilat indicates the appointed time granted to messengers to guide their community through their respective teachings. Just as students are given a whole year to study and prepare for final exams, the messengers' flocks are granted a lifetime to choose their path. The Day of Separation When is a people's allotted time exhausted? On a day called Yawmul Fasl, whose time is not specified. What will make you understand what the Day of Separation is? This verse emphasizes that neither humanity nor even such an exalted person as the Prophet fathom the immensity of this event. This is why the Quran often addresses him by the following formula. What will make you understand? Woe to the deniers on that day! God does not punish people. Rather, those who dismiss the resurrection are destined to encounter immense difficulties. As an analogy, consider how students will bear the humiliation of failure at the end of the year. Did we not destroy former peoples? The next three verses present signs that, upon contemplation, may strengthen our belief in the hereafter. The verse employs we instead of I to denote that the world's governing system and order destroyed prior nations and not God. Destroyed is used idiomatically when discussing the demise of the tribes of Lut, Thamud, Pharaoh, and other ancient people and individuals. Throughout history, the natural system and laws governing the world have caused many nations to perish. However, God ascribes their demise to himself since he originated and administers all laws. We will make the later ones to follow them. We are being forewarned of a law and pattern that pervades history. Noah's nation, the tribes of Thamud and Ad, and many others were destroyed by their own deeds. This is how we deal with the evildoers. Once again, the pronoun we is employed to warn that those who have cut off their relationship with the natural system and order will be destroyed. 
Woe to the deniers on that day! The first sign should draw our attention to the reality that since this is a continually repeated historical pattern, how could one possibly claim that death is the ultimate finality? The world's lord and administrator, who oversee its operation, remove obstacles to ensure that this historical movement will continue to grow toward perfection. The second sign is, Did we not create you from a contemptible water, semen? One of the many wonders observed in sperm is the tremendous amount of information regarding the size and shape of body parts contained within it when the fertilized egg multiplies and grows. Scientists have estimated that one gram of DNA contains enough information to fill about one billion computer disks. Then, we placed it in a secure and firm place. Qarar means a secure place. Makin means firmly established. The womb protects, feeds, and enables the fetus to enjoy a well-programmed life until it steps into this world. Until a determined period of time, the fetus remains in the womb for nine months in accordance with the order destined for it, until all of its organs are developed. So, we determined. How excellently we determine. One cannot help but marvel at the inherent order and discipline of the amazing world of sperm, egg, and genes. How excellently we determine. The genes present in the parents' chromosomes possess an unimaginable degree of order. Who has ordained the nature and size of these cells that multiply into bone, skin, muscle cells, as well as those meant for the brain, liver, and kidneys. All of this, which is not yet understood, is part of the wonders of creation. Woe to the deniers on that day! The chapter addresses deniers in multiple instances. The first verse, verse 16, opens our eyes to history and asks, Do you not learn from the past? The second one, verse 20, addresses the deniers by first drawing their attention to sperm, molecules, genes, chromosomes, and the wonders hidden within human creation. The next verse addresses the third set of denials. Have we not made earth a receptacle? Kifat, a receptacle, is a place where things are gathered similar to cupping one's palms to hold things. But what does earth hold? For the living and the dead. Earth holds all the dead and living beings, as well as animate and inanimate objects. Due to physical and chemical interactions, particles present in soil are transformed into organic matter, and fertilizers that plants need to grow. In turn, plants provide food for humans and fodder for animals. 
This cycle of life prevents Earth from being overburdened with decomposed and rotten materials. As a result, all matter in nature is always fresh, alive, and active. And have we not placed therein firmly fixed towering mountains and given you fresh water to drink? Rawasi means firmly set mountains and Shamichat means towering. During the year, the snow that has accumulated on the peaks of towering mountains gradually melts and trickles down to form rivers whose water seeps into the ground only to appear elsewhere as springs containing clear and potable water. Have you ever wondered how the ocean's bitterly salty water is converted into sweet, drinkable rainwater, or how the soil, which contains so many impurities, brings forth springs of clear, fresh, drinkable water? Woe to the deniers on that day! By citing examples from nature to help us understand the resurrection, the Quran urges people to pay attention to the history of prior nations, the wonders of sperm, and the various physical and chemical interactions that occur within nature, instead of looking for answers in philosophy, theology, or mysticism. The Quran does not describe the Day of Judgment as a court with God serving as its head and the prophets as witnesses handing out judgments, but of a natural phenomenon that will occur on this planet. The changing of this world's physical system will not destroy them, for they will be present in the new system. We are given the chance to prepare for it through our lifestyle. Therefore, our good deeds will be the impetus to a happy and prosperous life in the next phase of our life. They will be told, proceed to that which you used to deny. The imperative verb intaliku commands them to leave. But where should they go? Proceed to the triple-forked shadow. Here, Shadow does not refer to the one produced by sunlight, rather, it connotes providing protection. The triple forked refers to the three subjects discussed earlier, history, creation, and nature. You are denied the protection of all three of them on that day because you failed to learn from these guidelines and paid no attention to them namely your own creation, the laws of physics and chemistry, and the transformation and metamorphosis that take place on earth, providing neither shade nor availing against the flame. You sought protection in a wrong path that, on that day, will provide no refuge for you. Indeed, it shoots out sparks like the castles. Termi means to throw, as in the sparks being ejected from a fire. What does sparks like the castles mean? Could it be that those people considered palaces to be the grandest places? 
as if they were yellow-colored camels. The reference is made to the male camel, perhaps because they were thought to be the largest moving animal by the Arabians. Could it be that these two verses present examples of worldly objects? Jamal denotes the beautiful objects they sought in this world. Sufr is a joyful color, as in, yellow makes the spectators happy. Chapter 2, verse 69 So could it be inferred from the above two verses that they will be told to seek protection from the conveniences, comfort, and beautiful objects they had sought and relied upon so much? Only God knows. Woe to the deniers on that day. This is the fifth verse addressing deniers. This is a day that they will not speak. There is no need to speak on that day for people's disposition, nor permitted to offer any excuses. Their body parts and actions will testify to what they have done. Woe to the deniers on that day. Here is the sixth time this verse is repeated addressing deniers. This is the day of separation. We have assembled you and those before you. Those before you connote to ancient people and all human generations getting assembled and being present on the day of resurrection. So if you have a plot, plan against me now. Kaid means devising plans to fend off danger and loss, as in stratagems and strategies designed to stop or mitigate losses. Can your plans disrupt this system so much that it becomes obsolete? If you have such plans, then execute them. Do you think you can compete with the order that governs the laws of nature? Woe to the deniers on that day. This is the seventh verse with identical words addressing deniers in this chapter. Indeed, the righteous will enjoy shades and springs. The allegorical language used here conveys the message in a way that both the Arabs of 1400 years ago as well as today's people can understand. Thus, Shade, here, does not denote the shade of trees, but rather the benefits drawn from being protected, and Uyun denotes springs or fountains connected to one unlimited source of energy, and fruits such as they desire. Fruits signify the result of an effort, be it the fruit of a tree or of anything else. They will be told, eat and drink to your heart's content as a reward for your deeds. Of course the food and drink of paradise have nothing in common with their earthly counterparts. The Quran only uses this familiar imagery so that we might have a faint idea about these blessings. Indeed, this is how we reward the virtuous. The governing system and order reward such people. 
Woe to the deniers on that day! Here is the eighth time that woe the deniers. Eat and enjoy a little. You are indeed evildoers. This verse addresses the Prophet's contemporaries, whereas the previous one speaks to the dwellers of heaven. It denotes the foolishness of enjoying the benefits of this ephemeral world that, when compared to the hereafter, makes even a centenarian's life appear as nothing but a fleeting moment. Woe to the deniers on that day! This is the ninth time of this repeated verse. And when they are told, bow down, they do not bow down. In general, bowing down displays respect, and bowing down to God is yet another expression of surrendering to the world's natural order. Bowing down is the first step of submission to the system, and prostration is proof of obedience. The Quran's statement that they were told to bow down in this world but refused to do so highlights their aversion to submit to the divine system. In other words, their excessive pride and haughtiness led them to consider themselves as being a head and shoulder above others. Woe to the deniers on that day! This is the tenth verse and last time that woe to the deniers is repeated in this chapter. So what discourse will they believe after this? The Quran refers to itself by many terms, among them hadith, which means current news, something that is new. Some of today's people, similar to the contemporaries of various prophets, assert that the Quran is irrelevant because it was revealed 1400 years ago. But the Quran says that it reveals new things and poses the following question. If you do not believe these words, then what will you believe? Also note, deniers is repeated ten times in this chapter. Symbolically, the number ten is considered a complete number. The Quran, noting these people's denial regarding history, creation, nature, and the world's natural order, asks them what they really believe in, if you reject all of these.